to the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco here with you. Mutual off day this beautiful Monday afternoon. We've got a lot to talk about here today, Bobby. It's like one of our holidays. It's also strange that we got a mutual off day here at Mass End, like the week after the All-Star break. Yeah, literally like, what, three games after the All-Star break. so we get a break after the break, which is kind of nice. We've um, easing back into the baseballs. Easing right back into the baseballs. Uh, the Orioles didn't waste much time easing right back in. The front office didn't, at nope. least. Uh, diving right into the trade market, we're going to touch on, of course. Baseball never sleeps. The Andrew Kashner trade and uh, what kind of impact that will have on the Orioles and the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, we're going to hear from Mike Elias. We're going to hear from Brandon Hyde. Both of those guys talked about the impact that Kashner had and about the importance of this deal. We'll talk about the two guys that they got back. And then we'll round things out with, uh, I've got a bone to pick with uh, Red Sox manager, um, what's his name? Alex Cora. Alex Cora. <laughs> I was going to leave you hanging out to dry right yep, there. There we I was go. Like, He's with, got it. Uh, I'll, uh, my first bone to pick is I don't remember his name. So yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's start with this, Bobby. Okay. On a, on a down note, Trey Mancini has been slumping. He has been in a terrible slump. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it, it happens to also coincide with him, unfortunately, not getting picked for the All-Star game. Um, and you wonder if he's just kind of bummed out by that. You know, it's hard to find a, a reason for why he's slumping as hard as he is. Then I went back and I thought, well, I remember that uh, Joey Rickard was claimed off of waivers by the Giants mm-hmm. near the end of June. Joey Rickard was, of course, Trey Mancini's maybe his best friend on the team. Mm-hmm. They were good friends, hung out all the time. And I looked at how Mancini is doing since Rickard left the organization. That was June 21st. Since then, Trey Mancini is hitting 177 with just one double, one homer, and 11 hits. Did the loss of his best friend from the team cause this tremendous slump? Possibly. I mean, I think that would cause me to go into a slump. You know, someone who you can always rely on to be there and talk to and, like, help work through a slump. You know, I'm sure that... Uh, Trey and um, Joey talked about their approaches a lot yeah. and, and, you know, what different things they could do and analyze the game together a lot. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a possibility. It also, could just be a very interesting coincidence. It is probably uh, a coincidence. I think also, you know, probably bummed, definitely bummed about the All-Star snub. Yes. So I, I think that could also play into it as well. But, you know, slumps happen. And, yeah. and I, I think it's also kind of got buried this, this slump, like what he's doing on the field, because yeah. so many people were talking about how he didn't get selected to the All-Star game, yeah. how he deserved to go, um, and then how also up to that point, uh, did you happen to see where he was, what he was batting on, like entering June 21st? Did you happen to see that? I'm it gonna, was I'm over 300. It was? I mean, yeah, he was at like 304 at that point. See. So, um, it, it, I mean, look, if all I'm saying, Bobby, is if I got traded tomorrow, he was, th- he was hitting 304 yeah. after June uh, 19th. Yeah. So all I'm saying, Bobby, is if, if I got traded tomorrow, if I left tomorrow, I would hope that your performance would struggle immensely because you miss me. <laughs> okay. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Well, cool. So 
you're just damning the podcast and all of Mass and all that. I'm not leaving. I'm just saying. No, I know, but if you were I better mean a lot to you, Bobby. I'm telling you right now, I'm not allowing you to go to Nesson. Uh, I'm not allowing myself to go to yeah. Nesson either. Yeah, uh, not a big Red Boston Sox game. They've guy. already taken enough from us. They, they, including Andrew Kashner. Yeah, it's a perfect transition. Although, real quick, I do want to say, remember last year when Machado got traded and Scope all of a sudden just went on a tear. Yeah. So it's like the opposite of that of the best friend. Yeah. You know, having a, a negative, leaving having a negative impact. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I, it's hard to tell for the player who actually got traded, but I, I yeah. believe Manny kind of went on a slump in his first couple of games as a Dodger. Like he hit like a yes, homer, I think, in his first true. game. Everyone was like, "Woo!" And then yeah. like he kind of, kind of right leveled off. But Scope got like Player out. of the Week, right? And and which was perfect timing because it allowed the O's to cash in. That also on, timed uh, up with Scope coming back from his injury. Yeah. last year, too. true. Yeah. Um, speaking of cashing in at the right time, the O's cashed in on Cashner nearly at a perfect time. If you look at, um, obviously, the the deal was made. Uh, on Saturday, pretty much between games, between games one and two, yep. uh, Andrew Kashner, since the beginning of June, now he's having a good season. He has a winning record on a team that doesn't even close to having isn't even close to having a winning record themselves. Since the beginning of June, three and one, a one point four one ERA, and opponents are hitting one sixty eight against him. And his last two starts, right before the trade, seven. Strong innings, giving up one run against the Blue Jays. And then the start before that, seven innings in which he did not allow a run to the Cleveland Indians. A team that the Red Sox might have to go through if they end up in the AL wildcard game. Yep, yep. It's it's Well, I think the interesting part was, like you mentioned, was the the timing of it. In yeah. that, not just that they pulled the trigger so quickly, like a couple of weeks ahead of the deadline, but they also did it in between a doubleheader. Like, how often does that occur where yeah. a player gets traded and there's still a game to be played after a game, and then there's another game to be played, and the <laughs> media can go in and talk to him yeah. before he actually leaves the the, 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 the organization. So, uh, you know, it was interesting that we saw reporters got to talk to Kashner, obviously Hyde and Elias. Um, but, yeah, the timing of it was an interesting. The return to Dominican Summer League players, both 17 years old. I mean, I think it's kind of all across the board agreed, like a no-brainer. You know, we, this and Michael, we'll hear from Michael Lassen shortly, but, like, you know, he mentioned this was our goal all along. We were trying yeah. to restock this farm system with young talent and, and, and especially in the international markets where this organization has not, you know, dipped their toe in very yeah. often uh, up until this past year. So it was kind of a no-brainer for both sides. Uh, the Red Sox need rotation help, obviously, to make a push toward the playoffs. Yeah. And the Orioles need prospects um, to, to bolster their, their summer league teams. And, um, you know, either one of them's going to summer league one, the other one's going to summer league two in the Dominican. So, yeah, it was a good trade all around. And the timing was kind of just, like, yeah. kind of put you off, threw you off a little bit. And there was no, for people saying, oh, you know, I don't know why they didn't wait. There was no benefit for waiting because – the, you know, the, they are cashing in on literally maybe his best start. And you're you know, really cashing in on that pun, too. I know, I am. <laughs> but they, you, they, you know, are trading him right after he has an amazing month. He's not going to have many, you know, odds are his next couple starts, he's not going to allow one or no runs in seven innings. Well, right. That, that's kind of the point I would say is that you're all, if you were to wait, 
I mean, it's always obviously a gamble, yeah. but I think the odds are he would tailor off. Yeah. You know, no offense to Cashner, but like, you know, odds are he wouldn't have these starts like you just mentioned, this, like he, his last two. Yeah. And his price would go down. Now, you could also argue, well, the closer you get to the deadline, the more desperate teams get. Right. That's a fair point as well. But I think the right offer came about. You got two young prospects, guys that Michael Elias has said that they've scouted. They know what they're getting out of these two guys. Even though they're only 17 years old, they know what they are right now. I think it, you know, the deal's the deal. Make it, make it happen. Make it, there's no point in waiting if you got something that you think is going to work. And the Red Sox might, in theory, be paying a little bit more because they can get an extra start or two out of Cashner before that July 31st trade True. deadline, or you know, an extra relief appearance or however True. they. And then, they then they can them. go after that. You yeah. know, oh, this Cashner guy maybe not will hold up. Yeah. Let's go get another guy. Exactly. So in terms of the money aspect of it, because. Cashner signed that deal right during spring training last year with the Orioles. Uh, Ken Rosenthal is reporting kind of the, the cash flow back and forth. It is a little bit confusing. Um, so uh, according to Ken Rosenthal, Cashner is due $3.5 million for the rest of the season 2019. Yeah. The Red Sox are going to get $1.78 million in order to cover part of that. And he also says the Orioles will include additional money if Cashner reaches certain performance bonuses based upon innings and starts. So there are performance bonuses, and then there's also a vesting option for next year. Yeah. Um, so it vests automatically if he throws a combined 340 innings between last season, 2018, and 2019. Or it turns into a player option if he tops 360. He's probably not going to top 360. He's at 249 and a third between last year and this, the beginning for a half of this year combined. So he would need to throw about 90 and two thirds innings over the next 69 games. Nice to nice. Uh, vest that option. Yeah. Um, so he would have to make, I added it up, he would have to make like 13 or 14 starts and average about seven innings in those starts. Um, for the the reds for that op, t- for that vesting option to vest right, um, which I think is is probably unlikely. Well, it's not. Well, maybe unlikely, but it's possible. It There's is sixty nine games yeah. left. He pitches every five days. He's slated to make his first Red Sox start Tuesday. Yeah, um, which also lines him up to start Sunday at Oriole Park at Camden Yards against the yeah. Orioles. Oh, uh, when the Red Sox come to Baltimore, but. With 69 games left, if he pitches every five days, he could make about 13 starts. Yeah. Other interesting thing, though, is Cashner has only made 30 starts once in his career. So he's wow. always fallen short of that yeah. marker. Um, so well, it's it's unlikely, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility, especially considering you know how he's pitched as of late. If he can keep it up yeah. you know, over the course of the second half of the season, it's possible. Well, and the Red Sox know that that is a number that has to be hit for the right. resting option. And so I'm guessing they, that they're kind of banking on that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly, because the, in terms of money, they are probably pushed right up against the um, the threshold in terms of the, the um, luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many years they want to do that for. And so, you know. It's also something they could control. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like they, they don't have yeah, to start exactly. them. They That's don't have, the thing. They can pull them early in innings. So uh, they, they, they know. They get another starter and move him to the bullpen. Exactly. Because they know that that number is going to be hit. Maybe he's sitting at two. At 3.39, and they're like, ah, nah, <laughs> You know, I want you to take the day off. Well, that's like, uh, remember what happened last year with CC Sabathia? Yeah. And he had a certain number that he had to hit, and uh, he <laughs> decided to hit a batter yeah. in order to remove himself from a game. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of uh, the return for those guys, it is the two 17-year-old Venezuelans um, who are headed to the Dominican Summer League. And uh, Mike Elias, between the two games yesterday, um, he talked about Saturday. Saturday, sorry, talked about the trade uh, that was made of Andrew Kashner. 
the the kind of guy that he was for the club, and also um, the fact that they wanted to focus on getting youth it back into this organization. Take a listen. Tough day for us, saying uh, goodbye to Cash, um, and uh, you know he was terrific for us all year. Um, you know, linchpin in the rotation and um, in the clubhouse. I think it was a, a rejuvenation kind of year for him. I think he gelled really well with the coaching staff. We gave him gave him some information that you know, helped him kind of uh, turn his game around. Um, but uh, you know, we've made no secret of the fact that um, you know we're eyeing our our broad long-term strategy, which is uh, getting the best young talent that we can from every angle. And there's a trade deadline coming up and, you know, uh, had talks with several teams, but uh, Boston was the most serious and most aggressive. And, um, you know, we ended up getting two uh, very young players that we like. Um, I think in particular with them being um, Dominican players, I'm sorry, they're not Dominicans, Dominican Summer League players, um, you know, one of my... uh, the concerns is, you know, we haven't been um, pulling from the international market steadily the last few years. We've started now, but that is a, a pipeline uh, that is lagging for us. And I think, uh, you know, trading for that age group is going to help us um, kind of uh, stave off the, the balance that we're going to need with the rest of the league and the competitors and, and um, equalize a little more quickly. Bobby, we've had several moments this season where we've said, all right, this is a moment where we learn a lot about Michael Elias. We learned a lot about him when he made his coaching staff hires. We learned a lot about him uh, in his first draft back Mm -hmm. in the beginning of June. I think this trade deadline and this first trade is going to tell us exactly how he's going to approach the trade market, and it just gives us a sneak peek of what he looks for in returns and when he looks to deal these guys. I mean, he said it right there. I mean, he's looking for international prospects, international talent, because this is, again, somewhere where the Orioles have not grabbed uh, talent from in, in terms of this international pool. We talked about this during the international signing pool show. Um, so yeah, we, we understand where he's, what he's going for, what uh, he wants. I think this is also showing what other teams, what he's expecting back for possible pieces. He's going to trade yeah. off closer to the deadline. And you know, that actually might suit well for the Orioles. I, I think teams and you know, we know teams are going to be highly coveted over their top prospects. You know, they're not going to just dish out their top prospects um, for certain players, but Michael Oss probably figures he can get a good handful of young, unproven players, 17 year olds, teenagers like these two guys, um, and future deals. And so it's something that, you know, he's making it known what he wants to do, what he expects back for when he trades off these pieces closer to the deadline. And I think teams now understand what he wants back and that could possibly help them make more deals as we get closer to July 31st. Exactly. It's the kind of, you know, as as guys get closer to the bigs and they become more sure things and yeah. they get into the top, we, we start to discover exactly, you know, what they are. Yeah. And it, the guys that are 21 that are in double A AA and triple A, they're, if they're good, they're going to be top prospects. And if they're not, they're not going to be. Yeah. So the getting these guys as young as you get them um, makes, you know, it, it makes the Red Sox say, well, we don't really know what they're going to be. So they, you know, it's hard to determine their value. Yeah. And so what they might, the Orioles might be doing is, is getting guys that are younger um, because they, they can afford to, you know, right. they can afford to wait until these guys are 21 and for four years from now. Right. Um, and these guys in those in several years might be top 30 prospects. We don't know. Yeah. But right now they're not just because they're so, so far away. It's impossible to tell. I mean, and we talked about this too, during the, the, the draft show and the international market show, you know, we don't know the timeline for this rebuild, yeah. you know, and, and 
we shouldn't expect Mike Elias and his people to put a deadline on it because that's just too many expectations. But we don't know an exact timeline. So get all the young guys now. You, you're, you figure you're on track right now to get the number one draft pick again next year. Grab as many young players as you can by trading off these assets that you know are not going to be part of this team in, 2019, in yeah. 2020 and 2021. You know, grab all these young players that... So ideally... You know, as we move along through this rebuild, they all kind of mesh together at the same time yeah. and become, you know, your top prospects at double A, triple A here in Baltimore, you know, and then that's how you kind of rebuild and expect to get back into competing mode. And it's easier to win trades when you're in the Orioles position where you're not the team that's desperate. Right. You know, you, you want to trade these guys, these veterans, but the Red Sox are the team that is desperate. You right. are the one holding the player, holding the card. It's the other team that is trying to pry him from you. And that allows them the Orioles also to be a little greedy. Exactly. And be like, hey, you know, you need this guy. You don't need these two 17-year-olds in your summer league. Yep. Why do you send them our way? Exactly. So the two guys that they did get, again, Mike Elias, we saw during the draft that he loves to get up the middle talent, and he loves to get guys like center fielders and shortstops are ideal because those tend to be very athletic positions. And even if they don't stick at those spots, in theory, you can shift them over to other ones fairly easy, easily. So the outfielder is Elio Prado. His counting stats so far in the DSL are uh, a little bit better than the other guy, Nolbert Sanchez. Um, so Prado, both of these guys are 17. They're from Venezuela. Prado signed for just 85000 by the Red Sox last year. Um, his stats right now in the DSL, he's hitting over 300, 400 on base percentage, three dingers, 26 RBIs. Uh, he's got nine stolen bases, so he's got some speed, and he walks a, a heck of a lot in 30 games. He's got 20 walks in 33 games. And then Nolberth Romero, 17 years old from Venezuela. Again, he signed for a much bigger chunk of change, $275,000. Um, Michael I said he's a shortstop, but he can also play third base if needed. Um, his counting stats, not as good. 264 average, two homers uh, in 29 games. But he's a defensive first kind of guy with an above average arm and a smooth swing, according to scouting reports. So those are the two guys that they got um, for Kasher. Michael Ice is also not only showing us what the Orioles expect back in these trades or what they're aiming for to get back, but he's also sticking to the original plan of where they covet talent where yeah. they've up the middle. We've talked about this a hundred times now, Paul, a shortstop who has played some third base, but also second base. And then an outfielder who plays all three positions, but mostly in center field, yeah. straight up the middle. That's where they value these talents, these young athletic guys. And that's where they're going to continue aiming for as the, as we move forward closer to July 31st. Here's what Mike Elias had to say about the two guys that they're bringing into their organization. Elio Prado, um, in particular, um, is off to a really good start in the Dominican Summer League now. Those are those are complex leagues. You know, the stats can be misleading. A lot can change. But he's a, a center fielder with some pop, uh, runs well. He's been stealing bases. Um, you know, we've had eyes on him that, that like what they see. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get. There's a lot of development ahead for him. And um, Romero is an infielder, has the capability to move around different positions, been playing mostly third base this year, but we think he's got a shot to develop as a shortstop and uh, making pretty good contact with Pop as well. Uh, I think the, the Red Sox gave him some money too. So, you know, we'll see what we get. Obviously, it'll take uh, several years to find out what we've got with these guys, but um, I do feel like um, that age group and that pipeline is something we wanted to bolster and, and give a jolt to, and this helps with that. So that was Mike Elias yesterday 
talking about those two guys that they got. They sent scouts to watch them, so they have a you know an up close and personal view. I mean, he mentioned that the counting stats for the DSL is kind of complex, just similar to minor leagues. Right. Um, it's kind of hard to determine how good these guys are going to be, but they like what they've seen from a scouting perspective. And look, they they were able to offload, unload a, a player that was not going to be here long term, and they got youthful guys back. So I, to me, that's you know that it, it not no matter what they got was going to be a win, but to get two young guys who are still have a, a loads of potential, that's a win. Yeah, and it gets the the ball moving. You know, we knew this was going to happen. Guys are going to start getting traded off. It's only July fifteenth. It's happened July thirteenth. Yeah. Let's get going. Like, you know, let's, we're not, it's no secret the Orioles are going to be trading their pieces off as we get closer to the end of the month. Let's keep it, get guys, and also at their peak value. You know, yeah. like we just mentioned how Kashner, you know, has great two starts. He's never going to be more, probably, probably never going to be more valuable than he was right when they traded him. So let's keep the ball moving. It's, the Orioles are trading off their assets. They want young t- players back. Let's not wait till like, yeah. Four o'clock on July thirty first. Let's get these deals done now, while you while other teams are waiting, holding off. And from a f- four thousand view foot view, I don't know how how high up do airplanes fly? Hundred thousand? No, that sounds way too high. That sounds high. Ten thousand feet? Five thousand feet? feet? I don't know. From a very high intern view? Brent, no, that was intern cam. Intern cam says five thousand feet. feet. So if he's wrong, if he's wrong, it's it's intern cam's fault. Um, from a macro perspective. It's this deal was a no brainer. And then you unfortunately get down to the micro perspective, which is the everyday team aspects of this. And it did come at a bad time for the team itself, considering yeah. Dylan Bundy is out. Yeah. Uh, the team is in desperate need of just guys who can take the ball on every five days. And at yeah, this point, means. you know, Brandon Hyde, look, he obviously knew what he was coming into right. when he took this job, but he has. Still, you can't blame him, been frustrated with how difficult it has been to get guys on the mound every day, one through five. Um, But he talked about, uh, after that deal was made, he talked about the kind of guy that Andrew Kashner was, the fact that he was a veteran in the clubhouse, um, and it sounded like Cash and Hyde really got along uh, in the short time that they were together uh, in the Orioles organization. Take a listen to Brandon Hyde talking about Andrew Kashner yesterday. Good for Andrew Kashner. Happy for him. Um, he was phenomenal for me, for the coaching staff, for the players. He's an ultimate team guy, ultra pro, uh, unbelievably competitive, and was a huge help uh, not only for me but for everybody else. And and uh, wish him the best, and except when we face him. But um, hopefully, he gets to the chance to get in the postseason and and. Uh, Wishing good things for him. So <laughs> it is unfortunate for Brandon Hyde, and you can tell right before that soundbite where he was like, I don't even know who we're going to start because <laughs> yeah. it was. It also happened right in the middle of a doubleheader. Yeah. So, like, the poor guy is trying to figure out not only how to fill out, you know, the Friday, Saturday, the two games of the doubleheader, and then he's right. got Sunday. He does have the off day, obviously, today, but it's and like. Cash was scheduled to pitch Sunday. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, now I got to figure out who's pitching tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. I don't get a 26 man on Sunday. So. Yep. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it does sound like uh, the veteran presence on this very young team that Andrew Kashner brought will be missed, but um, it's something that uh, I. 
you know, he said, he also said, I think guys, it's just a matter of stepping up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, not, no one guy has to now be Andrew Kashner, and, but every little guy will pick up the slack. It's creating own. opportunities. I yeah. mean, like we've said all along, like this is a place where guys can come and get an opportunity to play and prove their worth. Now this is another spot for another starting pitcher to slide in and be like, Hey, I can, I can be a pitcher. Yep. I can be a starter right here and, and eat up innings and get guys out for you over a course of the second half of the season yeah. and improve my consistency, my worth. And we've already seen a couple solid starts from Woj. We've yeah. seen some solid starts from Asherman. Asherman. Um, it's just, we're just going to have to see a lot up. more. We're just going to have to see a lot yeah. more of it. And the Dylan Bundy injury confuses things in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it Primarily, it confuses for Brandon Hyde who he's going to start, but then on the macro perspective, now we are, it's what, July 15th? Yeah. So we're two weeks away from the deadline. Um, you know, what is his trade value going to be? Is, is it even going to be existent? There are, yeah, there might not be any because yeah. he, he's injured. And, yeah. and he has, he's not going to, 10-day retroactive to whatever day it was. But, um, yeah, he might not pitch again until next week, yeah. the week leading up to the trade deadline. So that maybe gives him one, possibly two outings before yeah. 30, the 31st. That might not be enough to prove that hey, you can. You, there's a value in this guy that you know that some other team would want. And it's not like he was tearing it up, before right? He got no, injured. he wasn't That's the, the problem pitching at like Cashner's level, yeah. even. So it's like he he had limited value to begin with, and now it's less so. Yeah, and so you could make an argument that unless they want to trade Trey Mancini, and you know we don't know exactly if they are that Cashner was the biggest known trade chip that the Orioles were holding. Yeah. And they, they just turned him in much like they did last year where they, they, the first big trade chip, you know, the biggest trade chip was the first to go in Manny Machado. Yep. Yep. That's correct. And, um, there's more to follow. There's more to follow. Definitely. Um, and it, it will be interesting to track and see over these next two weeks, not just the rumblings of who might go, but how these guys are performing leading up to their possible departure from Baltimore. Are they going to be able to, one, obviously have value right now, and yeah. two, hold on to that value long enough for the Orioles to make a deal for them and get something in return. Exactly. Now, Bobby, let's stick with the starting pitching, but let's let's go a little bit back in time here. To uh, I know it was a, uh, almost a week ago, yep. but the All-Star game. Okay. Uh, John Means, who was uh, selected to the All-Star game, he was the only representative, as we talked about. Trey Mancini was probably snubbed. John Means went to the All-Star game. Amazing story. I don't know if you read that Baltimore Sun article. Um, that Nathan wrote, but uh, in, he, he a year ago he was thinking about leaving baseball. Thought he might have to. Uh, spent three straight years in Bowie, and somehow all of a sudden gets a spot on the team, gets a spot in the starting rotation, gets a two and a half ERA, gets an All Star nod. Yep, incredible story. He did not pitch in that All Star game. He did not pitch, and I think I speak for a lot of Orioles fans when I say uh, pretty frustrating. Pretty frustrating that he didn't uh, get the ball at all in that nine-inning game. Bobby, you disagree? I don't disagree with the sentiment. It's frustrating, but it it happens. I I think uh, it's—I understand people's gripes about it. I I also don't think that it helped that it was the Red Sox manager making the decision, and he pitched a Yankees pitcher. I think that also rubs Orioles fans the wrong way. Totally understandable. But I think it's realistic to, you know— Going into that game, I never actually thought he was going to pitch it to begin with. I mean, I think if you look at the list of the roster, in terms of pitchers, he was probably the last guy on that list to to get into the game. You know, he was the one and only Orioles selection. He's a rookie. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't deserve to pitch in the game. I'm just saying realistically. And also as a pitcher, there's only so many 
ways to get a pitcher into the game. It's not like a you can do a mass sub with like position players. Well, there was a golden, golden opportunity for Alex. He also Ford wasn't the only pitcher that didn't pitch. So who's to say? Oh, go on. No, explain I know. your golden opportunity. So the golden opportunity was in the eighth inning. The American League was up four to one, I believe, at this point. Brad Hand enters the game. Now, obviously, he's a, a an Indians pitcher. Mm-hmm. The the game is being played in Cleveland, so I get it. He's a, a hometown guy. Mm-hmm. Brad Hand proceeds to throw 33 pitches, walk two batters, allow two hits, give up two runs, throw just 17 strikes out of those 33 pitches, almost surrender the lead before he leaves the game, pitches the entire eighth inning. Yeah. Why on earth would Brad Hand not be pulled from that game and John Means be put in that game in that instance? I think it's exactly what you said because he was the hometown guy. So Carlos Santana started the game. Right. The who who was the guy that won the uh, the MVP for them? Uh, Bieber, Shane Bieber had already pitched in that game. He was already which also why did he get uh, whatever he had I one? Know, he, yeah, it was cool. A dumb. But he struck All out the side. You already had two hometown heroes. Why does why does Hand need to pitch the entire inning? He already had walked two guys, allowed two hits, and given up two runs. Well, I because I, I, he's a hometown. He's an Indian. But he does not deserve to literally almost blow the game. Okay, but I mean, he go, almost blew the game in the eighth inning. True, but then go back to last year, All-Star game in Nats Park, Max Scherzer pitched two innings, and he gave up a home, he gave up two runs in the second inning and put the NL down yeah, to but nothing. He's, he's Max dang Scherzer. Okay, but he's also pitching in his hometown park. He pitched two innings. He took away an inning from someone who probably deserved to pitch that didn't get the pitch because... He's he's the hometown I'm not, guy. I'm not going to relitigate last year. I'm just saying I'm just in saying this it's specific the same idea instance. because he's the hometown pitcher. Okay, well then I may a, have a problem with that. He's going to get a full inning. But the, but I th- I have a problem with ne- Brad Hand getting that entire inning. I have no problem with Aroldis Chapman getting okay. one, two, three in the ninth. All right, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. You have a problem with Brad Hand getting the full inning. That's fine. But yeah. who's to say again? John Means wasn't the only pitcher to not pitch. Who's to say that John Means is the guy to come in and replace him? Well, so John Means was not, I agree, obviously, he was not the only pitcher not to pitch. But every one of those other pitchers who didn't pitch, their team had another representative who played in that game. Okay. So, and if you look at both the National League and the American League side, there were players on bad teams who were the only representatives of their teams who also got to pitch. And John Means was not one of those. Will Smith for the Giants pitch. Big Willie style. Um, he, you know, he's on a terrible Giants team. Uh, you know, is one of those selections that was just kind of like a de facto selection because he didn't really deserve it, but they needed a representative. Sandy Alcantara, the uh, pitcher for the the Miami Marlins, who has it, it by no means should be a, an All Star, but because he's the only representative, um, he got to pitch. And Shane Green for the terrible Detroit Tigers got to pitch. How in the world could you not find one out or one batter for John Means to pitch? You're really going to bring... I mean, I go it's an all-star game. It doesn't matter, but you're really going to do a pitching change just for one batter? Yes! To get the guy yes! In? That's what the, the National League did. They had pitchers come in for one out. And also, that's how games in 2019 are played. All, they, but, look, the, but you also have the argument that the game doesn't matter, so why approach it like a real game? You're not. You're not approaching it right, like a real game. You are, you are making sure you that just, this guy okay. gets into the game. Okay. Even if you approach it like a real game, there's an, a, a, a reason to put him in. And even if you don't, there's a reason to put him in. Yeah. You need to... The, why have representatives from every team? Why make that a rule if you're not going to play guys? I, I, I sort of agree with that. Again, I think it's, it's not like 
the Pro Bowl. It's not like the NBA or NHL All-Star Games where there's an opportunity for a, a guy from every team to get into the game. It's just different. It's just the way the game is set up, especially for a pitcher. There's only so many... There's only there so many tw- chances to get him in the game. There are pl- there, there are also there's way more cautious with pitchers than any other position player in terms of the playing in the All Star. So game. if so they're I way think, more cautious, why have a guy throw 33 pitches when he doesn't need well, to? Again, I think because he was the hometown guy. If, if it was anyone but the hometown guy, they probably would have pulled him. Wouldn't yes, it? but I would also say that going into that game, I, I am sure Alex Cora had a like a list or whatever, like a plan. That yeah. This is the situation that this particular player is going to get in the game. Yeah. And John Means just never came up. Well, he should have been. That's my point is if you, you literally, the Orioles have the worst record in baseball at this point. They have had the draft to look forward to, which was an awesome day. They had J2 to look forward to, which was an awesome day. If you're an Orioles fan and you get John Means in the All-Star game, Think of all the, the the reason that all these teams need representatives is so that a kid in Baltimore can watch that All-Star game and see a representative that he saw in the park pitch on two weeks ago be pitching on a national stage in a chance that he may never get again. Yeah. John Means it may never get this chance again. He's right. 26 years old. It was a miracle that he was even there. He did not get to pitch. Brad Hand is a three-time All-Star. He has gotten this opportunity three times. He is 30 years old. He has gotten this opportunity three different times. <laughs> John Means may never get this chance again, and he just kind of got robbed of it. I think because he also was a multiple all-star means he earned the benefit of the doubt to get that full inning. But he 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 took the benefit of the doubt, and he threw it out the window by allowing two runs and two hits and two walks. I mean, he, he did not deserve to finish that inning. I honestly think there was only, like, Two scenarios there was no doubt John left. Means, he was struggling. I think there was only two scenarios where John Means was going to pitch in that game. Again, I did not think he would pitch in that game. And, and to your point of, like, get him in the game because so, so some kid in Baltimore watched the game, that some kid watched the game anyways to see if he got in. He and he was, and he left the game angry. Well, that's, that, what does baseball or Alex Cora care about that? What, well, then they clearly care about it. Otherwise, they wouldn't make it a no, requirement. No, what they clearly that care every, about is getting New York, L.A., Chicago to watch the game, then, then, not... Sorry, Baltimore is not on the top of their list. Then, then, and we know this because, you know, the compensatory picks that then, the Orioles then got. Why, then why do they make it a requirement that that's That's the, the other question. It's like, why do they make a requirement that everyone gets a gets a player? I, I understand that point, but that's not the point. No, no. My point is that I didn't think he would get in. He was only going to pitch the game if it was a complete blowout or if it went to extra innings. And, that's, and, and isn't the rule changed now that it only goes like 10 or 11 now? Like they taught, they just call it a tie after they, they put runners on second, They put runner on second. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, I think those are the only scenarios that John, that's ridiculous. I, I don't think that the, he, the, he's the thing is, it's not like he has is Sandy uh, Alcantara from the Miami Marlins where he's got an ERA of four. Yeah. He got into the game with an ERA. Did, John means has been, has the second best ERA of American league pitchers coming into the game. That had thrown at least a certain amount of innings. Right. He was not a bad pitcher. No, it's, I'm not saying it's not like they had to shoehorn him into the game. Right. I'm also not saying that John Means didn't deserve to get in the game. It just doesn't surprise me that he didn't get into it. The game. It makes. But why wouldn't he be in Alex Cora's game plan? I mean, why he, he probably was in the game plan. I bet again. I think it just his situation that he would have gotten a chance to pitch never came up. And 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 I, to me, that's totally reasonable. I've watched. Countless all I mean, I'm 27, so I've watched probably 20 All-Star games at this point that I can remember. And, you know, especially in the early 2000s and mid-2000s, back when the Orioles, and then starting 2005 when the Nationals, 
they were so bad, they would only get one. And I would always watch to see if my one guy exactly. got in. And he never did. Or he would rarely do. And that's, yes, frustrating, but understandable. You, there, I mean, it's just not everyone's going to get a chance to play. Now, I understand your point. If you're going to have a representative from every team, why not play everybody? That makes total sense. That, that's not the question here, though. I, it is what it is. And the fact is that John Means didn't get the pitch. And that's understandable because it happens. It happens every year. Some teams don't get their guy to get to play and that's that's just the nature of the game I, and we can talk about how that's wrong but i understand why it happened right I, now. i understand i guess i get why it happened but i think it's wrong <laughs> i that's what i'm saying is it, it, it was the wrong decision it, it is that's a, that, that's fair it was a slight to um you know whether it was in town i don't think alex score had i don't think he had any ill will towards baltimore by any stretch i just think it was a, a massive massive oversight on the his or the coaching staff's part not to get him into the game. To the point where the national writers, what, Andy McCullough of, of the LA Times yeah. was was tweeting about John Means every inning to try to get him into the game. Yeah. It was an amazing story that he was even there. It was a great opportunity to get this guy a chance of a lifetime, and he didn't get it. And it made sense from a game perspective because he deserved to get in from a game perspective. It would have made sense if this game had actually mattered. And then if you look at it as just an all-star game where the game doesn't matter, it makes sense there too. Yeah. So I, I don't get why he didn't... It, it, it is incredibly frustrating that Orioles fans who are obviously have a tough time watching this team from a day-to-day basis considering the win and loss record. They look forward to an all-star game where they have a chance to get a guy who deserves to be there on the national spotlight, and he doesn't get to pitch at all. No mention. Um, you know, it, it, it just doesn't. You have so little in actual game action to look forward to as an Orioles fan, and you get passed over in the all-star game. And that sucks, but I think that's just the way it is. I think it's also a product of his position. He's a pitcher, you know, and that's it's tough because there are starting pitchers and then there are relief pitchers. So, like, you have to, as a game manager for the all-star game, you have to get these starters, you know, their due because they're the starters. They're, like, the stars of the pitching staff. But you also have, then have to wriggle in these relievers that got elected too because you can't just leave them out of it. So I think it's a product of if Trey Mancini had gone instead of John Means, Trey Mancini would have played because he's a position player. It's just easier to get position players in than because you can pinch in, you can do mass subs on defense. You can only and the pitchers don't hit either, so you can only get one pitcher in at a time. I disagree with that because you have. No, I I think that's that's indisputable. Because how many position players did not play? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm trying to look it up, but like I I think almost every position player that was eligible to play, meaning not hurt, yeah, played. And I I don't think that's the same case with the pitchers. Well, you also I think. It's easier to get position players in the game. Trey Mancini would have played had he been on the team. John Means, while he still deserved it, was a pitcher and also a starter. So he was probably the last starter on the list to get in the game. And then you have to get relievers in too. Well, yeah. You know? I think it's a product of him being a pitcher. You don't have to give every pitcher. So what happened with the American League is every pitcher that pitched got an inning. So you were only able to get nine guys into a game. Right. That you can pitch more than one guy per inning. You can give a guy a third of an inning and then another guy a third of an inning and then another guy a third of an inning if you really wanted to. Well, uh, yeah, okay. but So the, it is. there are as many opportunities. That same thing happened with the NL except for Woodruff and Will Smith split the, the eighth. Right, like, exactly. That's what they could have done. Brad Hand and John Means split the eighth inning. Okay, but again, I'm not... Okay, but I, who's to say it would have been... John, like, what if... Are we having the same discussion if Brad Hand did get pulled and then... They put another pitcher, but it wasn't John Means, and he gets out of the inning. Like, are we still having the same discussion? Yes, okay. because 
Yeah. Because who are the two guys that didn't also didn't get the pitch? I don't know. Okay. But they also had represent. Uh, well, I think one of them was but they also had Garrett Cole. They also who had, had represent, pitchers. Yeah. Or players. Houston had like five guys in the all uh, yeah. playing in that game. Yeah. So Garrett Cole not getting in. Okay. He already had made All Star games. I'm pretty sure with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember the other guys, but it it you can there are as many opportunities in my mind there are as many opportunities for pitchers to get in as there are for hit for position I players. disagree because what if what if you can bring Brad Hand in and he walks somebody and then you pull him also keep in mind John John Means is a starter I mean how often I mean he's come out in relief before but how often does he do I mean pitchers also take longer to warm up and get ready for okay to, to pledge then you know you can just throw a position player out there hey your pitch hitting go right or hey you're gonna go play first go like it's just easier to do that as opposed to a pitcher where john means has to go warm up for 20 minutes before he can start pitching. i wouldn't say it's 20 minutes it's probably, it's a, probably about 20 minutes yeah i wouldn't say it's that pitchers long. yes no. pitchers take about 20 minutes to warm up if we're, if you're coming in to face one batter how often like do we see like you know for the or for the national side sean doolittle starts if he thinks he's gonna he starts warming up like at the top of the eighth uh, it, to me, though, that shouldn't bar. Like, he's then, a reliever. You, they had to bring in nine different guys. I think that's that just doesn't matter. That's just irrelevant. I, I don't think that that matters <laughs> because you you have spots in the bullpen for them to warm up. If you have a plan going into how you're going to attack the inning and you break right, it up, so where that Brad tells Hand him, hey, gonna, that tells him, hey, if in this situation you're going to pitch the eighth inning, so you know keep an eye out and start getting ready right. as necessary. So why didn't they? But it never came up. But what was the scenario in which it was? Brad Hand allows five runs? I don't think Alex would have been like, hey, Brad Hand's getting booked. John Means, run out to the bullpen, start warming up, or you're going to start pitching in five minutes. Like, I, I don't think he would have done he that. Was, Again, because I think, in the, especially in the All-Star game, a game that doesn't matter, they prob- probably would have been way more cautious when it comes to... They are way more cautious when it comes to pitchers than position players. But it, they didn't show that caution by having a reliever who probably typically does not throw 33 pitches in a game why is that? That is not showing a lack of caution by having a reliever throw thirty-three pitches. Again, I think that's because he's the hometown guy. He, I I completely understand why fans are getting worked up. Box score is definitely going to get booed when he gets here, hundred percent on Friday, and and well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I understand why fans are getting worked up for it, and and personally, I was I I felt for the guy for John Means personally, absolutely. but I know that he is such a good guy that he doesn't. You know, yeah. he didn't care. Yeah, this is not taking away from his week. I'm. Sh- he seemed like he had a fantastic time at the yeah. game and Cleveland that whole entire week. And I would also, I also agree with your point that you know you don't know if this guy's going to make it again, so he might never have this chance. Yeah. So that that is kind of upsetting. But in an ideal world, you know, we'll be looking back at this in like three years and be like, hey, remember that time AL starter John Means didn't get. Uh, to pitch in his first All Star game, and now he started for the American League and back to back. You know, hopefully we get to that. Point. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well, uh, in the same token, hopefully we get to that point with Mancini, right? And say, right, um, you know, he didn't get it that one time, but it doesn't matter because he got it four more. It times. sucks that I, I'm on the fence. It sucks that he didn't get the pitch. I understand what happened. Let's move on. In a year's time, I'll be I'll be complaining that they didn't start uh, start John Means because yeah. uh, he should be the starter. Would have really loved to have seen him one ERA. pitch better on Saturday though. Kind of got sucked that he his first yeah. start after that he got rocked. Hopefully that was just a product of you know kind of getting thrown off his routine with a week off. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm yeah. sure that was tough. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe anywhere that you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. SoundCloud, Apple Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify. Yep. Did I and miss then, any? I think those are all the podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Mass and All Access Facebook, um, Mass, and Orioles on, uh, Mass and Orioles on YouTube and Twitter. And uh, you can watch all of our podcasts on those platforms uh, along with listening. And then you can also give me a follow at Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul? At Paul Mancano, just my name. Thanks for listening, and we will see you later. 